for those who have been uh, following our service, we are going through a three-month series on the book of Ephesians. We're trying to unpack what the gospel is through this book. And we just finished uh, chapter one. And now we uh, dig into what I believe is the central message of Ephesians. For me, chapter two is really the meat of what Apostle Paul is trying to say in this letter. And we're just going to talk about the first part of Ephesians uh, and just talking about being truly alive, being truly alive, right? And my hope is that as we go through this passage, Ephesians 2, 1 to 10, so if you have your uh, hard copy Bibles or soft copy Bibles, just open there, Ephesians 2, 1 to 10. And I hope that we will get to see and appreciate once again what it means to be truly alive. What does it mean to be truly alive? So let me give you uh, the, our, our flow for, for our sermon today. Uh, for us to understand what it means to be truly alive, we need to understand three things. Number one, we need to uh, realize and understand our true spiritual condition. Okay, Our true spiritual condition. And number two, we also need to see our true spiritual conversion. Okay? And third, we need to also uh, apply and realize and apply our true spiritual design. Hindi siya all see this time, uh, but uh, I'm trying my best to, to alliterate, but that's not the, I, I won't force it. So spiritual condition, our spiritual conversion, our spiritual design. And, and uh, may the Lord uh, be pleased as we hear his word today. Let's talk about our true spiritual condition uh, in, in this text. So for the gospel to be something that really captivates us, captivates our soul, it must first reveal our true spiritual condition. And what is that? We see that very clearly in verse 1. As for you, you were dead. You were dead because of you know, two, two trans, uh, translations of sin. Uh, you have transgression and sin. Not just sin, transgression and sin. And actually, there's another word for, for sin, and that's just iniquity. Um, so uh, Paul is saying, you are dead because of your sin. This is our spiritual condition. We are not slightly misaligned people needing some good advice. You know, you just need a good advice to get through life. We are not merely good people being corrupted by the world. So you just need a little bit of, you know, therapy and tweaking and have, you know, good principles in your life and, and you're all set. Here's the thing. You're not even merely sick waiting for someone to help you get well. Sometimes we uh, correlate, you know, uh, being an unbeliever as someone who is sick and needed a medicine. That may be partly true at best, but the truth is, Ephesians 2, 1, we are dead. All of us are dead. Because all of us have sinned. I don't know if you're watching K-drama or, or, 
or any <laughs> or any any other uh, series talks about you know zombies, right? Like there are in zombie movies uh, and and series is is actually a a genre in itself. And I'm actually I haven't watched All of Us Are Dead. <laughs> But it see it feels to me like you know we we enjoy watching uh, zombie zombie movies or series maybe because it reflects our true spiritual condition. That's who we are, and it ju just keep that in mind as Paul describes the extent of our deadness. You are dead in your sin, and this is how it looks like. You followed the ways of this world. The rulers of the, the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient, meaning uh, uh, unbelievers, all of us who live among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature, following its desires and thoughts. Doesn't that look like a zombie to you? So the trajectory of our fallen humanity is not towards God right but it's away from him we are in the opposition so basically to go with the flow in the terms of the world to go with the flow is is a river flowing away from god when you say you go with the flow and you're hoping that eventually it will lead you to god it won't it it's a river flowing away it's downstream not from go, going towards Mount Zion, but going downhill, away from God. And if we think we are being uh, apart from God, is, is being free from rules and, and doing what makes you truly happy, uh, being uh, free from all these restrictions, we are definitely misled. Because the truth is, being in this spiritual condition, being dead, means we are enslaved by the ruler of the kingdom of the air, right? Which causes us disobedience. Not only are we disobedient from God, we are also, we are also obeying our sinful, selfish nature, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature. We follow its desires. You know, this is uh, so... Uh, real with Apostle that he repeats this description in, in chapter 4, right? In uh, chapter 4, 19, he said, you know, having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge every kind of impurity with continual lust for more. So that that is our spiritual condition. We need to understand that. Pero Pastor, bakit even though you're saying that we are really dead, why don't I feel dead? Especially, why don't I? Why I, do I feel so alive when I sin? Right? Sometimes, you know, we have this phrase na sabing sarap gumawa ng masama. Yeah. It makes me feel alive when I do something uh, contrary to what I, you know, what I consider to be good, to be right. Bakit ganon? Bakit, bakit it makes me feel alive when I sin? Let me try to picture this uh, for us. 
how many of you are familiar with the, the Dark Knight trilogy? Uh, Christopher Nolan, right? Uh, in, in the third installment, uh, The Dark Knight Rises, ang, ang antagonist, si, si Bane. Uh, and in this uh, first uh, battle ni Batman at saka ni Bane, uh, natatalo si Batman, natatalo siya eh. Uh, hindi niya kaya si Bane. So gumagawa, gumagamit siya ng kanyang mga tricks. So what he did in, in those battles, uh, he used uh, EMP to close all the lights. To close all the lights. Anong sabi sa kanya ni Bane? Let me quote. Ah, you think darkness is your ally. By the way, si, si, si Bane ang the first guy who wore face masks. You think darkness is your ally. You merely adopted the dark. I was born in it, molded by it. I didn't see the light until I was already a man. But then it was nothing to me but blinding. If you're, even if you're Batman, if you have uh, a, an enemy like that, you'll be scared, right? Friends, that's just like Bane. That's, that's who we are. We are born in the darkness. That's why we are comfortable with the darkness. That's why it feels right. It feels comfortable. It feels good when we sin because we are born in it. That's where we thrive. And so the opposite is true. We are uncomfortable with light. It seems blinding to us. No wonder the world considers Christianity killjoy. Kasi it sheds light in the darkest parts of our soul where we find comfortable. Right? You know, someone once jokingly said, if I'm going to hell, if me going to hell means I get to do all the things I want without all these inhibitions, without the restrictions. Then, then I, in, you know, uh, I, I'm free uh, to do anything I want. There's no, uh, there's no God to restrict me. Then I don't mind going to hell. You know, that person does not understand what is yet coming for him for eternity. Because it might feel like uh, something you're enjoying, something pleasurable, but your deadness is not yet your punishment. You see, our deadness is our default condition, not yet our punishment. Right? The fact that you're sinning is not yet your punishment. That's your just default nature. That's our nature. That's our condition. And so... Uh, this section, Paul ends it with the penalty of our deadness. And what is that? We are, by nature, children of wrath. We are, by nature, children of wrath. Wow. You know, we don't normally talk about the wrath of God. Uh, you know, in, in our small groups, in our conversations, we like sermons about how God is so forgiving, so loving, how gracious he is. And that is all true, and that's something that we should hear. 
in our, in our preaching. But we also need to remember that God is a just God. That he will not let the guilty unpunished. So while we are enjoying uh, being comfortable in the darkness, there will come a time that it will no longer be bearable. There will come a time it will no longer be bearable. But uh, I'll, I'll, quote, uh, I'll quote a preacher that's infinitely better than me. In, in July 8, uh, in 1741, a preacher named Jonathan Edwards gave a sermon called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. What a great sermon title, right? Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. You know, we rarely hear a message of, like this about the reality of God's punishment. Can you imagine being part of that con uh, congregation, hearing sinners in the hands of an angry God? Uh, here's an excerpt. I think we have that on, on the slide as well. Here's part of that sermon. How dreadful is the state of those who are daily and hourly in danger of this great wrath in infinite misery. But this is the dismal case of every soul in this congregation that has not been born again. However moral and strict, sober, religious they may otherwise be. Oh, that you would, you would consider it whether you be young or old. There is reason to think that there are many in this congregation now hearing this discourse that will actually be subject, subjects of this very misery to all eternity. We know not who they are or in what uh, seat they sit or what thoughts they now have. It may be that they are now at ease and hear all these things without much disturbance and are now flattering themselves that they are not the persons promising themselves that they shall escape. How would you feel being part of that congregation? Pastor, napaka-condemning naman. <laughs> Parang hindi naman biblical. Well, actually, it is. Jonathan Edwards is saying powerfully what Apostle Paul is saying plainly. We are doomed in our sinful state. We are doomed. And I emphasize this to help us see the gravity of our punishment if we remain dead in our sin. And if we are dead, if we are dead, think about this. If we are dead, how can we consciously and intentionally choose God? If we are dead in our sin, if we are doomed uh, for eternity, how can we be aware to say the Lord Jesus Christ is my Savior? How can we do that? We can't. We cannot unless we are made alive, unless we are born again. So when someone says, I think I read this in, in one of the books, um, you know, a, a guy said, you know, I like to be a Christian, but not the born again type. And, and the, the preacher said, I don't know what you mean. There's no other type of Christian, only born again ones. 
you must be born again that's 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 how you you see and experience and enter the kingdom of god so we need to be born again otherwise we are doomed for eternity which brings us to our next point the go this gospel reveals to us our hope for a true spiritual conversion right if we are spiritually dead we cannot make ourselves alive have you heard of anyone who made himself alive when he's dead even if those who are in the uh, yung in the hospital flatlining you need someone else to revive you so we need an external voice a force a supernatural power to breathe life to our spiritual deadness and that's what we experience with god that's what we experience with our spiritual conversion it is a sovereign act of god verse 4 starts with but god so yung verse 1 to 3 napaka napaka gloomy napaka bad news but then it turns the the thing around a very critical phrase in this text but god you know rc spro said if you want to understand reformed theology read this verse a thousand times because this is the thematic passage of the gospel but god being rich in mercy because of his great love which he loved us even though we were dead in our offenses made us alive together with christ by grace you are saved and he has raised us up together with him and seated us together with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. You know, the gospel is not so much making good people better or great people reach their full potential. The gospel is making dead people come to life. So we come here because we claim that we are not good, hoping to be better. We come here, we gather because, you know, I have, I, I feel great, but I want to be, you know, to reach my full potential, so I go to church. No, we come to Christ because we're dead and we need someone to revive us. And that's what we experience with our conversion. It is a sovereign act of God. And for those who are looking for, um, now, biblical terms, this is a monergistic act of God. But how do I know, Pastor, for sure that God has sovereignly and graciously made me alive? Well, the Bible provides us uh, a lot of assurances of our secured salvation. But my short answer to, to assure us that that the that god has made us alive is our act of faith because it is demonstrated this conversion is demonstrated by the act of faith okay so if there's a moment in your life that you have been aware of your spiritual condition you realize that you are without hope apart from jesus and you place your faith in him, 
that is a demonstration, an evidence of a spiritual conversion in your life. It doesn't have to be flashy. Hindi siya kailangan cinematic. Maybe it was a, you know, a tearful prayer in, in, in your home. Maybe you attended a, a conference. Maybe a friend shared the gospel to you and then you were made, you were made aware of your, your sin and you place your faith in Christ Jesus. That is a demonstration of a spiritual conversion happening in your life. Verse 8, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And, and now, this is where it gets tricky because you know the working concept in our religious mind is this. I need to believe in God in order for me to be born again, okay? So sabi natin kanina, we need to establish that we need to be born again. And for that to happen, I need to believe in God. So the statement in our minds, I need to believe in God in order for me to be born again. Question, is that statement true? I need to believe in God so I would be born again. Let me give you, a, let me, let me confess that I, for maybe half of my Christian life, that was what I believed. In order for me to be born again, I need to place my faith in Christ Jesus. But think about it. If you are dead in your sin, how can you exercise faith? Think about it. Can a dead person see? Can a dead person smell, hear, taste? Can a dead person vote? Maybe here in the Philippines. <laughs> we will not go there. <laughs> Can a dead person watch a movie? Can a dead person enjoy a movie? Can a dead person enjoy watching a zombie movie? <laughs> Can a dead person exercise faith? No, until he is made alive first. So, you know, to, to have you, to, to give you a, a, a phrase, uh, it means regeneration precedes faith. Regeneration precedes faith. What do I mean? God has made you alive first so that you can exercise your faith. Okay? The first act of a person that was made alive by God is to put his faith in Christ Jesus. When you open your eyes, you realize you have been dead and someone has made you alive, you place your trust in Jesus Christ. So regeneration happens, and then you put your faith in Jesus. That's why I say yung spiritual conversion natin is demonstrated by the act of faith. It must happen. You must put your faith in Christ Jesus, but that is not the means of your regeneration. 
Okay? So again, our faith is the expression of our converted heart. It is the evidence that God has made us alive. Let me quote uh, yung Gospel Transformation Study Bible talking about this uh, passage. Faith itself is a gift. Faith is not the ultimate good deed that saves us, but the instrumental cause of our salvation. Grace flows through the channel of faith, but the channel itself is God's construction. We are saved by grace. Faith is simply acknowledges and rests upon who God is and what he provides. So if you, if you are able to recognize your deadness and place your trust in Jesus, that's a cause to praise the Lord because he has given you the gift to exercise your faith. And so because this is entirely the work of God, our, our, our regeneration, our conversion, our placing our faith in Christ Jesus, then we have no reason to be proud about it. We have no reason to be proud about it. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's sad because reformed people, people in the reformed tradition have this reputation of being arrogant. Let, let me, itatagalugin ko so, so I can have, you know, didiin ko ng konti. Ang yabang natin. You know, when, when someone, I used to be offended by that. And I realized that's true. It's true. And it's disheartening because that is completely contradictory to the truth that we hold dear. If the gospel tells us that the work of salvation is entirely the work of God, why are we proud about it? If there's anything to boast, it's, it's we boast our Savior, not our understanding of it. No, God resurrected us not because we're better people. God resurrected us because we're dead. Remember that. So what are we to do with this new life that was given to us? We are dead in our sin. The Lord has made us alive by God's grace and allowed us to exercise faith. For what? If, we, if the only purpose is to save us, then we should be enjoying eternity in heaven by now. Right? But we see that the gospel not only reveals to us our spiritual condition apart from Christ, it also reveals to us our true spiritual design because of our union with Christ. Our true spiritual design is this. Ephesians 2, 6. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Well, our, our spiritual design involves experiencing God's incomparable grace. Here, in part, in eternity, in full. 
We experience, let me repeat that, we experience the incomparable grace of God here in part, but without restriction in fullness for eternity. And that, you know, should help us long and be excited for heaven. You know, some people are not excited about heaven because they think, when we get to heaven, tapos na. I don't, I don't have to believe anymore. I don't have to read my Bible. I don't have to, uh, to do all these obligations of Christians. Um, and, and we'll just, you know, in, enjoy boring. <laughs> Parang ganun. But we will spend eternity unpacking the, un, the incomparable riches of His grace. You know how you know how awesome the riches of God's grace is? We need eternity to understand it. We need eternity. You don't you don't it, you don't capture it in 4 years in seminary. In 50 years of Christian life, you need eternity to appreciate and realize the richness of God's grace in your life. And that's what we will do for eternity in heaven. That's something we can look forward to. But what about now? What about now? Well, our spiritual design as well is to do good works here today. Verse 10, for we are God's masterpiece where we, where we have the word poetry or poem. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good works when he had planned this long ago. And this is, you know, our spiritual design trumps our spiritual condition apart from Christ. You know why? Because yung ating spiritual condition, we were born into it. We experienced it when we were born. Yung spiritual design natin was planned long ago before you were born. It's basically restoring what sin has corrupted in your life. And that is to do good works. What a beautiful reminder that we are God's work of art. God's workmanship. God's creative work. Regardless of how people called you in the past, you may have been called a mistake. You may have been called a failure. You may have been called worthless. But for God, you are a masterpiece. You are a masterpiece. So I have a, a pastor friend really captures this well. Doing good works, doing good works is not simply a matter of duty, but a matter of design. Right? Let me repeat that. Doing good works is simply, it's not simply a matter of duty. You feel obligated to do it because the pastor said it, because that's what it looks like to be a Christian. It's a matter of design. You were designed to do that. And this is not based on your previous performance or your future performance. 
God already prepared this design long ago. Long before you were born. So if someone tells you, you are not good for anything. Remember this verse. That you are God's workmanship. Let me just give some practical applications with, with this beautiful, beautiful passage. Number one, as we think about our spiritual condition apart from Christ, as we uh, realize yung spiritual conversion that we have is by the grace of God, sovereign act of God, demonstrated by our faith, and that we have the spiritual design to do good works and experience God's uh, grace. Here are some practical things that we can do. If you are united with Christ, let us not live according to our past condition. That's why yung, yung verses 1 to 3 is in the past tense. You were once like this. You used to live like this. Paul is telling them, you don't have to live like this. You know, Christians are supposed to be the ones showing the world what it means to be truly alive. We show that. We, we, tell, we, we show the people with our lips, with our act, what it means to be truly alive. Second, let us consider being truly alive when we gather together. Let's be excited to praise God, to remember his incomparable grace. Let's give generously. Let's pray for people. Let's share our life to others. And three, let us live as God's masterpiece and produce graciously great works with how God has called you. If, you have, if God has called you to be a student, be a great student. If, you, if God has called you to be in the corporate world, be, be a great corporate uh, employee. If God has called you to be uh, a mother or a father, be the best that you can be. Let me end with these verses. 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. But we forget, you know, uh, in succeeding verses. Verse 18, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 20, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. You know, if you... In, in your heart, you know that you are united in Christ. My challenge for you is to be his faithful ambassador. To represent him well. To represent him by being truly alive. And we will look at that uh, in the succeeding chapters. What it looks like 
in the church and in the world and in our relationships. Or maybe you are not sure if you are truly alive. If you are, if you are that person, you're, you're not sure if there's really a conversion that happened in your life. You know a lot of things about Christianity because we live in a religious culture, but you are not sure if you have really placed your trust in Christ Jesus for your salvation. Why don't you come to the source of life and experience this new life with him? Our passage reminds us that the penalty for those who are dead is the full extent of God's wrath. The full extent, not withheld. But the good news is for us today that someone took the wrath on his shoulders. He paid the penalty of our transgression and all our sin. You know, Christ Jesus, the one who is truly alive, experienced death for all of us so that we who are born dead will now experience life through him. Let's pray. Father, what a glorious and gracious thing that we can see and understand the good news you have for us. Thank you that you have opened our eyes. Thank you that you have made us alive. Because apart from that, this will be gibberish. Apart from you making us alive, this will not make sense. Thank you that you have gifted us the ability to put our trust and our hope in you. May we be people who express what it means to be truly alive in the areas that you have placed us. This is our prayer with thanksgiving in Jesus' name. Amen.